So jumping into a new series tonight, as you can see, on Christmas. So we're already in the Christmas season. It's not even December yet, but we have tonight and three weeks after this uh, until a little Christmas break. And so uh, calling this series Christ of Christmas. And the question we want to talk about is just who is Jesus? We wanted a series that focused on the person of Jesus. And really, honestly, this came out of Kesselon relaying to me that at a recent core team meeting, I think the one that met at the retreat, somebody just said, I would love to like just have a series on the person of Jesus. Not so much maybe about what we should do or discipleship or Christian behaviors or whatever, but just let's talk about Jesus. And so certainly Christmas lends itself to that. We all know the Christmas story. We're going to dive into it some tonight and some later this month or in December on the 20th and some just on the the early life of Jesus. So who was this man? But if you have a Bible or Bible app, um, open to Matthew 1. Matthew chapter 1 is where we're going to camp out tonight. I'm not going to start reading it quite yet, but Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, that's where we're going. Uh, now, in today's world, in our culture, we know that Christmas is really about Jesus and his birth. And yet what we experience culturally is the furthest thing from that, right? That culturally, what, what is Christmas about culturally? Well, Christmas really is about family, isn't it? Like, culturally, it's just about family and presents. Is Christmas not about presents, people? Y'all, come on. We, you know, you even, when you're in high school, you go like, I know it's really about Jesus, but it's also, it's really about the presents. Uh, it's about lights. It's about food. Is it not? I mean, Thanksgiving is about food, but Christmas is like right there with Thanksgiving. If there were no food, who cares? Now, again, food's great, so I'm not trying to diminish any of these things. Um, it's about holiday feelings and warmth, and it's about hot chocolate. We're serving free hot chocolate from now until Christmas Eve at Brookside on Sunday mornings because it's cozy, and it's hot, and it, you can snuggle with hot chocolate, and you can sip it in church. It's fantastic. That's what Christmas is all about, people. Hot chocolate. Hot chocolate bar. We need to, we're having a hot chocolate bar at our leader Christmas party on Friday. It's going to be great. Um, it's about parties. It's about Santa. Like, how did the whole Santa thing blow up? And we know Chris Kringle was a good man or Saint Nick or whatever, and he actually did give gifts to people that didn't have gifts. And I'm all for being generous, and I'm all for giving gifts. So I don't want to diminish any of these things, but it's really like we know it's about the birth of Jesus, and yet uh, culturally, even the way we talk, we just, nobody wants to just talk about Jesus. And I get that, it's the religious connotations, and maybe it's sort of awkward, um, and we know that's the truth. We know it's really about Jesus, but if it's not about Jesus, who cares? Like what is, you know, there's all this hoopla and there's this season, and it's great, and it's fun, but it's just a day, and it all, the party always ends, and eventually the lights come down, and Christmas is still, it's just a day, right? I mean, we so look forward, and then it's just a day, and it goes by so fast, does it not? It's just a 24-hour period, and it comes just like Thanksgiving. A week ago, we were all anticipating tomorrow, and now it's gone. And Christmas is the same way. Again, Christmas is awesome, but so it's just a day. And then after that, it's winter, right? If we forget what it's really all about. Have you guys ever seen, I guess it's in the book, the Chronicles of Narnia book and the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And one of the girl or one of the kids says, like, it'd be like 
it, Narnia is like always winter, never Christmas, right? When it's under the curse of the queen. Always winter, never Christmas. And she's like, this is horrible. This is tragic. Like, this, that's a nightmare. Uh, even after Christmas, we look forward to New Year's. But then it's just cold and miserable and boring. Like, Christmas is over and it's just winter. But for the Christian, you hope it should be different. Now, again, all kinds of non-Christians and atheists, they look forward to Christmas if they celebrate Christmas at all because the traditions are fine. I don't want to diminish that stuff. But again, if it's not really about the real thing, then it's all just consumerism. And again, generosity is great, don't get me wrong, but, but where's Jesus? Is he really a part of this? And so I want to tonight, I want to dive into the story a little bit. I think we've domesticated the message of Christmas. It's tame. Uh, maybe it has, um, what's that? It's like uh, just warm fuzzies and it's sort of nostalgic maybe, but it's not life transforming for a lot of people. It's not life transforming for some of us because it's really about this earth shattering truth that God created everything there is, all the plants and trees and animals and the sun, moon and stars, and then he created Adam and Eve. He created mankind. And so then the creator God like becomes one of his creations. He becomes a man. He's born as a baby, and Jesus becomes a 16-year-old or a 17-year-old. He grows up. He's a boy, um, and he comes to fix his broken creation, and he's still alive. Like, Jesus is still in the flesh. He's not on the earth, but he's like in a body. He's in this resurrected body, but he's still alive. So I want to convince you tonight that the birth of Jesus is a bigger deal than you think. And we all know, like, Yes, I, I get it. I really do get it. And then I want us to think deeper about this whole thing called Emmanuel, that God came to be with us. So two things tonight, two-part little outline, basically this. If you, um, I want you to see that Emmanuel, that God with us, changes how we view our past and how we approach our future, okay? How we view our past, which is like even five seconds ago. Isn't it crazy that the, the present is always becoming the past? Like now is the past. Now it's the past. The past and the future. So number one, if God is with us, it changes how we deal with past. All right, so let's dive into the text. So Matthew 1, verse 18, you've heard this before. I'm going to take it pretty slow, uh, chunk by chunk. So verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. Again, I just love this. Like, we don't think about the fact that God creates all human beings, knit us together in our womb, said Psalm, says Psalm 139, and yet becomes a, a man, a child. The birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. Pledged to be married. So we're going to stop there. Let's talk briefly about Jewish marriage customs in the first century. Again, I don't know exactly. This is like year one, right? Year zero. I don't remember how it all shakes out, A.D. and B.C., but it's somewhere around the time of Jesus' birth, right? His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. So maybe you've heard this before. The phrase pledged to be married there in the NIV uh, literally means betrothed. So if you have an ESV or some different translation, it still has that word betrothed. You all, maybe you've heard that word before. And you all immediately know, I think, connotations, right? Betrothal is sort of like what for us? Engagement, yes, thank you. It's sort of like the engagement period, right? Um, and yet, it's, it's different than simply an engagement today. Very, very similar. You're on the right track. So betrothal in the first century was a legally binding contract. Legally binding. You didn't live together yet. But in Jewish culture, um, 
it was actually considered the first stage of marriage. Like it was legally binding. Otherwise, if they weren't married yet, you sort of go, because right after this we read that Joseph was going to divorce Mary because of what happens. I'm giving it away. Why would he have to do that? They're not even married yet. Well, in the first century, trothal was a legally binding contract. Um, and it was the first step in marriage. It usually lasted about a year. Was not unlike engagements today. Today, right, we're all, you get engaged, but that's primarily a period to sort of plan the wedding. I don't know why else today you have year-long engagements. Maybe you're trying to like make sure she's the one, he's the one. But we like go, I mean, weddings are big news in today's world, right? First century, not so much. They didn't have the budget for that. It was probably pretty simple. But it was, why, why did they do it? Somewhat to test the faithfulness and the pretty of the bride and the groom. So she still lived with her parents. He still lived with his parents. They didn't live together. But they were basically considered husband and wife. Um, they would have even been called that. And, um, and yet, there was this waiting period of close to a year, much like engagements today. So you can imagine how alarmed Joseph must have been when, second half of verse 18, where am I? Before they came together, anyone, you don't understand that right there? Came together? Before they, before they, before they, that, before that happened, before there was any coming together, Everyone with me? This is in the Bible, people. This is in the Bible. Sometimes the Bible just doesn't spell it out, okay? I'm not going to say it. Somebody just said the S. They had sex. No, they didn't have sex. This is before sex. No sex. Let's just all say sex together. Sex. Sex. Our culture is obsessed with sex. But I didn't want to say it from the stage. This whole Jesus birth story, you guys, it's all about sex. It didn't happen. It's crazy. She was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Again, think about the craziness of that. There was no sex, and there was a, there was a pregnant fiancé. That does not happen, right? We call it the miraculous conception. So it says this, this is the text. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. This would have been a huge deal. Like, you know, maybe kind of a big deal today to have a baby out of wedlock, although culturally it's definitely not a big deal anymore. 50 years ago it was. Do you know, imagine the first century. That was a hugely big deal. Like you just, I mean, I'm sure it happened. There was prostitution, people would get pregnant. But if you were pregnant, it meant you were an adulterer and you weren't married yet, but it had major ramifications for Mary. And yet Joseph is faithful to the law. He goes, I don't want to publicly disgrace her. But so imagine yourself in Joseph's shoes. Imagine the scandal about this. Okay, tr try to, ladies, you've all thought about your wedding before. Imagine your wedding, or maybe not your wedding day, your fiancé, and suddenly, girls, this doesn't work for you because he can't get pregnant. Still, imagine your fiancé, you, you somehow just find out he's been cheating. He, you're engaged to this man. You may have been dating him for two years. Guys, you're engaged to this woman, and suddenly she's pregnant. How do they know, how do they know that back then? She starts showing. Her belly's getting big. She's pregnant. You know you're Joseph, like, didn't happen for me. No sex. We didn't have sex. 
Can you imagine that? I mean, honestly, think about that today. Like, how angry you would be, how confused, how outraged, how heartbroken you would have felt betrayed. And he knows there's only one explanation for this. This doesn't happen miraculously. So it must have been somebody else. And so Joseph knows, and at this point, in fact, at this point, I think, according to Luke 1, Mary already knows why she's pregnant, because the angel comes to her first. And even that we know, because we're reading this 2,000 years later in a book, in Matthew's record of Jesus' life here, Joseph doesn't know yet. And so he's like, he's rushed. I'm out. Like, I'm not going to publicly disgrace her, but we are not going through with this wedding. Um, he could have thought, Mary, you wrecked this for me, and now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wreck this for you, and you are going to publicly pay. But he doesn't do that. He's a, he's a good man. Um, so let's keep going. Joseph finally gets the explanation he's been longing for. Look at this, verse 20. But after he had considered this, so who knows, a day, two days, a week, he's like, I can't believe Mary, she's pregnant. She cheated on me. What is going on? After he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, who's Jesus is the son of David. It's saying the lineage of David here. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. God, somehow, miraculous conception, she was a virgin, she absolutely was a virgin, and she is pregnant with Jesus. She will give birth to a son in order to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, look at this real quick. That doesn't make sense, right? Give him the name Jesus. What does that have to do with saving people from their sins? There's a footnote. Right next to Jesus in my Bible. Everybody have your Bible open? Some of you do. There's a C. And so if you look at the bottom of the page, next to the little C, it says this. Jesus is the Greek form of Joshua. Just that name is the Greek form of the, word, of the name Joshua, which means the Lord saves. Angel says to Joseph, you are to give him the name the Lord saves, because he will save his people from their sins. Whew. Suddenly Joseph's like, that's a breath of fresh air. Like, thank you, angel. Still crazy terrified. I've never seen an angel before. And why is this happening to me? And there's still issues of like, anybody in their right mind would tell Joseph, like, you need to get away from this woman. If it wasn't you, Joseph, that got her pregnant, then how is she? And like, why in the world? But, I mean, just culturally, I think it was, an, it was outrageous. Um. I'll get back to this, but even the Old Testament, the Jewish law says that a woman could be killed for adultery while you're engaged. It was a legally binding thing. Like, that, you know, if Joseph said it wasn't me, it would have been a big deal. Even bigger, I guess, if he would have said, it was, this is not my child, and yet I'm going to stay with her anyway. So he's going to absorb some of that. And yet, huge relief. God is in this. God is literally in Mary. God has a plan. God, something is going on here, and I don't even understand it yet, Joseph says, but my plans have changed. His past has been changed because of this message. Time out real quick. I remember early on in my first semester of college, I was here in Omaha, Grace University, RIP, it's closing. So sad. Downtown Omaha, 9th Street, I'm sitting in my dorm room, and I just lost it. First semester, I'm five hours from home, starting to make friendships, but like the, the homework load in college, I mean, y'all, it is worth it, and you should buy it, go to college. It's the best years of your life. But man, the workload, I was a part-time job. I was already helping out here. I was a tribe leader. 
trying to make friends. I made the mistake of my roommate was a junior, and he was on the soccer team, so I was like all alone. He was traveling every weekend to play soccer for Grace. So I was just all alone, big city, came from a town of 600, and I was like, this is a nightmare. And one night, I just lost it. I broke down. I was bawling my eyes out in my bed. I can't do this. It's a mess. Here's, you know what got me through it? I'm dead serious. One, the community I was in, I was surrounded by awesome, like, Christian people. But mostly it was this. I honestly, this sounds like the cliche answer, but it was my relationship with Christ. And so much of that was my, like, devotion time every day in the Bible, time alone with Jesus. It's sort of a, it's, I know that's sort of a Christian thing. If you didn't grow up, if you haven't grown up in the church, having a quiet time or, like, devotions is sort of Christianese, and yet, man, that, like, saved me in college. Like, I was going through, there was, I just remember it was a scary, and I was like, should I stay in this college? Should I keep going? Should I quit and go home? And it was my, it was this time alone with God that got me through it. I started doing that in the middle of high school, just had this devotional and sat down every night in my basement and had time alone with Jesus. And I would let God's word sort of speak to me and wash over me and remind me of my identity in Christ, and it was awesome. And so at that point in my life, it did everything to, for me to know that, like, God was with me. God was in this somehow. I was overwhelmed. I had a lot of homework to get done. But God was there. Like, he was in it, and I, I knew he had my back. Somehow, I could sense it. Um, what's the situation for you right now? What is, what is the thing, the circumstance, the event? What, what's the situation in your life that overwhelms you right now? Would you try to think about that? What's the first thing you thought of when you woke up this morning? It's always the first thing, right? You're just like, ugh, Spanish test today. And maybe that's not the worst thing. Whatever. There's something at school. Ugh. You just, it's like a pit. You feel it in your gut. But maybe it's something worse, something at school, something in your family. What is it that you're going through right now? Some, a regret you have from two weeks ago or from a year ago? Something you just can't stop thinking about? Think about that. Is there anything? Now, again, and you know, you go, Brad, I know an angel's not going to come down and tell me that, like, God's with me and this is all going to turn out great. And who knows how it's going to turn out. Nonetheless, God is with you. He cares about the details of your life. He knows you inside and out. He wants you. He chose you. He wants to be with you. And as he said, too, maybe you're the one who's straight and he wants you to run back to him. He wants to give you a whole new perspective, but one that's defined by him and him being in control and not by your hurts and not by your regrets. If God is with you, it changes how you deal with your past. That God, I think, presents to you the gospel, just the fact that he wants you, he wants a relationship with you, and literally that changes everything, and it changes whatever circumstance you faced or are facing from your past right now. Secondly, this, if God's with us, it changes how we approach our future. So check this out, verses 22 and 23, back to the text, almost done here. But the writer Matthew, the way I read this, this is an editorial little uh, snippet from Matthew that he sort of throws in here. As far as I know, you know, otherwise just plain reading this, you get to verse 22, and you start to think, is this still the angel talking? But no, I think this is Matthew. So suddenly he interjects these two verses and says this, all this took place to fill what the Lord had said through the prophet. And then he quotes, verse 23, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, 
which means God with us. I don't think that's the angel talking. So that's the end of the verse 21, the quote ends. Again, I really think this is the writer breaking in and making this editorial comment. And get this, he's quoting the prophet Isaiah. You guys, I love it when the Bible does cool stuff like this, and the Old Testament is quoted in the New Testament. You know what's even cooler? That this verse, again, look at your footnotes. There's something at the end of that, verse 23. Where am I? And it's, it's from Isaiah 7. I mean, so there's these little, you know, if you haven't ever noticed this, there's these little letters, and then you go down to the bottom, oh, this is Isaiah 7, 14. Isaiah penned this like 700 years before this happened, or somewhere around there, 700 years. Think in your mind about 700 years that God speaks through this guy, Isaiah, and he writes this verse in chapter 7, you can go back and read it right now, that says, says, I'll give you a sign. And Isaiah writes, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And 700 years later, this happens. Uh, it's just crazy how the Bible like, fits together. The transcendent, transcendent means big, holy, like far away, cannot touch you, cannot touch him, God, becomes eminent, has made himself Eminent. Those are two really big words, right? Transcendent means God is far away, and he's big, and he's holy, and he's like untouchable. He's tra- he transcends time. And yet, imminent means God comes close. He's, he's near. He's right next to you. He wants to be with you. He becomes one of us. No other religion offers this, you guys. No other religion offers this. That the Savior, the God, the like key, whatever... Buddha does not come and become a human and like die for anybody. Jesus becomes like his creation, enters into the suffering of humanity, takes care of our big problem. It's absolutely unbelievable. God is not just some faraway impersonal God that doesn't care about the details of your life. He, care, he knows everything you're going through. And he cares, and that doesn't mean he's going to take it away, because I think somehow God uses suffering and, and frustration and hard circumstances and he wants us to push through that. And if, if life was all rainbows and butterflies, then like, what difference would it make? Have you guys ever thought about that? Like, God allowed the possibility for there to be sin and evil. Have you thought about the, like, what the world would be like if there was no possibility to say no to God? I don't even know. We would all be robots. Like, you could, if you couldn't disobey, because there has to be loving God or loving anybody, it has to be a choice, right? We would all be robots. God comes to us and says, like, even in the midst of suffering, like, I'm here, I'm with you, I'm entering in. But there's more. It says he came to be with us, but he came for more than just that. It was verse 21. Go back. I'm backing up a verse. The end of verse 21, the angel, what did he say? It says, you're to give him the name Jesus, the Lord saves, because he will save his people from their, that word. Um, if you grew up in church, and 90% of you, I think, maybe, have, we don't even, we don't, like, we just gloss over this word because we're so, it's like church talk for us. It's so common. If you haven't grown up in church, you don't like this word sins either because it's just a churchy word. And it's sort of, I don't know, nobody talks about sin. It's just sort of this weird, dirty word. Uh, I even, like, if you think about this, eventually you learn in middle school or high school that there's plenty of sins, even just lying or cheating or stealing. That they're not illegal. It's not like you'll, you can't get arrested and get a ticket for laying, pay a fine, right? So eventually you start to learn, like, oh, I guess it's like, it's not illegal. Like, I could lie to my parents, but like, 
getting a speeding ticket would be worse, which is so like wrong to think about, but you start to think about how, oh sure, there are sins, the Bible says that are, things are wrong, and yet in our world, it doesn't really seem to matter that much, right? And yet, what does the Bible say? What is the wages of sin is, is death. The wages of speeding is just a ticket. And somehow we think that's worse than lying, and yet we all have sin. We have all sinned. And so he says, I have come to save his people from their sins. That's the first time that word is used in the New Testament. And so you may think that word is sort of offensive. It may, honestly, you may go, it's offensive to me. But you maybe don't realize that your sin is offensive to God. You know what that word means? It's really not even, have you ever heard this? Sin just means to miss the mark, that we all fall short. It doesn't mean you're a horrible person, right, necessarily, but we're not not holy, we're not righteous, we're not pure, we've messed up, we've all just messed up. It's just in us. But we're all guilty. And unfortunately, it's offensive to God. So here's the question I want to close with this, or tonight. If we've fallen short, how can we approach God? God wants to be with us. He wants to be near to us. I've said all of that. But if God is with us, how do we approach him? Has he, can he, what has he done to make that possible? Here's what he's done. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, did for us what Joseph did for Mary. I want to try to get you to think about what did Joseph do for Mary? That Jesus is the true and better Joseph. Like he's the ultimate Joseph. So what did Joseph do for Mary? Again, do you know what, have, what would have happened to Mary in that culture? if Joseph would have divorced her, she would have been an outcast. Again, she lit, like from the Old Testament, she could have been killed. I think they, they could like stone somebody. That's how they killed people back then. It was horrendous for being an adulterer. If Joseph wouldn't have helped her, her life would have been over. She would have been disgraced. She would have been marginalized by the community. She would have been an outcast. And yet Joseph goes and identifies with Mary. He takes her home, as it were, and says, I'm going to stick with her no matter what. And in fact, in doing so, he takes her disgrace upon himself. Because she's pregnant, and they're not, you know, actually married yet. He's now, like, he gets all of that shunning from the everybody, too. His reputation is ruined. Jesus comes and does the exact same thing for you and for me. He comes to you in your weakness, in your falling short, and says, like, I want you. I don't care what you've done. I don't care about the mistakes you've made. I don't care about that horrendous thing that happened six months ago at that party or whatever. He goes, I want you. I'm going to take on the full, like all the, all the shrapnel that happens because like I would just want to be with you. You're mine. And he gave up his glory and he comes and he pays our death penalty for us on the cross. And he says, I'm, I'm with you so that we could have life forever with him. That's how we can approach him every day with confidence. We look at Jesus dying for us. Because literally, you guys, nobody takes sin seriously anymore. If you were at the fall retreat, do you remember the first night that Thomas said, what is our biggest problem? We think our biggest problem in life is all this other stuff. And our biggest problem is that sin is a reality. And the wages of sin is death. And that doesn't just mean we die. It means spiritual death in hell in a very dark place separated from God. And nobody's taking it seriously. And yet, Jesus does. And we should. And we need to. And Jesus comes to us like Joseph does to Mary and says, I want to rescue you. And I'm going to take it all. Like, they can throw whatever they want at us. 
um, but I've got you. You think about that song, Reckless Love. I don't even, I look at Maggie because she probably knows the words. But like Jesus is going to kick down the wall for you. Like Jesus will do whatever it takes to come and to like get you and to be with you. So if God is with us, that changes everything. And you know what else will happen? You will look at the hurting and the broken, the poor, or whatever it is at your school, the weird, and you will not look at them the same because you will realize I am just like that spiritually. I am bankrupt spiritually. I am I'm poor. I have absolutely nothing to offer God as far as righteousness is concerned. And he loves me anyway, and he came for me anyway. And that should change how we respond to people that are different than us or that have a bad reputation, that have a Mary-like reputation. Emmanuel means that he is with you, and that changes everything.